For our first message today, we have a split sermon by Mr. Art Williams entitled Spiritual Strength, Conditioning, and Beyond. Mr. Williams. In your opinion, who, after Jesus, is the spiritually strongest person in the Bible? Which man or woman stands head and shoulders above all the others as the second most spiritually strong person in the Bible? To answer this question, we must be sure to stay focused on the biblical definition of spiritual strength. We can't confuse the definition of a hero. A hero acts bravely and exhibits noble qualities. He may or may not be spiritually strong. I'm not going to endeavor to answer that question, and I think for obvious reasons. <clears throat> and because it is not as important as to who is the second most spiritually strongest person, but rather how. How did they, did they become spiritually strong? Some of us endeavoring to become strong and to support our physical well-being lift weights. And we go and we work out. Some of us go to the gym. Other of us perhaps stay home. Some of us work out alone. Some of us do it with a group or maybe with a workout partner. <clears throat> and we do so because we see a need and we believe that by working out we can obtain some goal, such as increasing our muscle strength or maintain muscle conditioning or improving our endurance and energy levels, or perhaps to lose weight, or to maintain flexibility and cardiovascular health, <clears throat> or perhaps to assist our bodies in the repair process from some injury that we might have received. So as we follow the instructions of the program, we dedicate ourselves to work out, say three times a week, doing a specific number of repetitions, with a specific number of sets, and perhaps getting our pulse rate and blood pressure to certain levels. So we see the need, we believe, we take action, we follow the instructions, and we are dedicated for the purpose of attaining the end result of supporting our physical well-being. This is analogous to the basic formula for spiritual strength conditioning. We see the need, that is our calling. We believe, that's faith. We take action, demonstrating our faith by our works. We follow the instructions, that's hearing, studying, and reading. And we dedicate ourselves to the goal. My purpose today is to review these rudimentary steps with examples of application and inspiration. In seeing your calling, Matthew 13, 4, it says, And he sowed some seed. He sowed, and some seed fell by the wayside. And the birds came and devoured them. And continued in 19 and, 19 and 20. And then we're going to 22 and 23. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches it away, that which was sown in his heart. That is he who received seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony grounds 
This is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Going on in verse 22. Now he who receives among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. Verse 23. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it. <clears throat> who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. And continuing in 2 Timothy 1, 9, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Jesus Christ before time began. So our calling, our holy calling, is not according to what our works had been at the time of our calling. It's because of who God is and what God's plan is. <clears throat> so that's the calling. The second point is we believe. Believing. Hebrews 11.6. Hebrews 11.6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He that comes to God must believe that he is. I saw a video one time of a, a pastor that was giving a lecture at a high school, and one of the kids in the question answer session afterwards raised his hand and said, if there's a God, he better send a lightning bolt down and blow out those row of seats over there that are empty, or I'm never going to believe in him. The pastor said, God doesn't jump through hoops to prove himself to man. It's man that jumps through hoops to find God. If you don't believe on God and won't believe in him, you're probably not going to find him. There may be an exception to that, as we know about with Nebuchadnezzar. <clears throat> in Hebrews 9, 16 and 17, it says, For where there is a testament, there must also be of necessity the death of the testator. For the testament is in force after the death of men, since it has no power at all while the testator lives. And this is referring, of course, to Jesus. In Matthew 26, verse 28, For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for the remission of the sins. Jesus is the testator of the New Testament, and it went into effect as his death. And with the coming of the Holy Spirit, as described in Acts chapter 2, the New Testament church was born. Continuing in Galatians 2.16, 16 and then we'll go to verse 20. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ, and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. I have been crucified, verse 20, I have, not, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer the I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And continuing over in Romans 10:17, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. The word hearing is Strong's number 189, and it means the thing heard or instruction. So 
faith comes via instruction. Now there's a warning over in Hebrews 5.11. <clears throat> Hebrews 5.11, of whom, breaking into the middle of the thought, because I'm interested in the last part of the sentence, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. And that's one of the things that can happen to us. We may be more at risk to become dull of hearing when we have become, say, aged in the church, well-aged, like maybe 50 years in the church. As one evangelist said on, on his radio broadcast, a minute a man opens his mouth on the topic, my eyes glaze over, you know? It's kind of like, no, that was not a technical difficulty. I was just pantomiming the words. The same as if your ears were closed and didn't get a thing. The third point is taking action. Taking action. James 2, 20 through 22. But will thou, thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son upon the altar? See you how faith wrought with his works, and by works his faith was made perfect. Now notice it's, it's works that are justified by faith, and it's not necessarily just the works of the law, as it was pointed out in Galatians. This is not talking about the works of the law, but following the instructions. Our actions and our works demonstrate our faith. And it's this repetition, it's this repetition of demonstrating our faith that increases our faith, just like the repetitions weekly, every day, every week, or whatever, re increases our physical strength, increases our muscles, our endurance, our cardiovascular system. <clears throat> Development by exercising, continuing in Hebrews 5.12, for when... For the time you ought to be teachers, you have, and I'm interested in the last part of this, but I'll read the whole, the whole section here. You have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as you have need of milk, and not of strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he's a babe. But strong meat belongs to them that are full of age, even who, and this is what I'm focusing in on, by reason of use, have exercised, by reason of use of their senses, exercised to discern good and evil. By the use of their senses, they exercise, exercise to discern both good and evil. We become skillful in the word and we obtain discernment regarding good and evil as a result of using the word. In Hebrews 4.12, again, I'm interested in the last, very last sentence here, the last thought of the scripture. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is, and here's my 
thought that I'm primarily interested in. A discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Up at the feast, I, I, I talked about self-image, and I had Brian throw up a, a picture of a kitty cat that was looking in a mirror. And the kitty cat, when he looks in the mirror, the reflection is a great lion. And so the little kitty cat sees himself as a king of the beast, king of the jungle, a mighty hunter. But in fact, he's just a little kitty cat. Well, the way we can get a better understanding of ourselves is through the word of God, because it is a discerner of thoughts and in the intentions of the heart. The result of belief demonstrated by action, that is to say works, is that you see God working in your life. We will have increased discernment regarding good, evil, thoughts, and intentions of the heart. This, in turn, increases faith, trust, and confidence in God. I want to go to Romans 10 because there's a lot in my intention is to read verses 1 through 12. There's so much in there regarding this. I think I will. I think I have the time to do it. Romans 12, verse 1. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God is for them that they, is for them that, that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not th submit themselves to God's righteousness. And we can see that in society today. Um, <laughs> there are a whole, whole list of very popular te television evangelists from modern Christendom who, when you talk to them personally or in personal interviews, they <laughs> reveal that they don't even believe in some of the teachings of Jesus. And here they call themselves Christian. Well, that's fraudulent. A Christian is one that is a disciple of Christ, which means you are a student of Christ. You believe what Christ says. If you go out and say that you don't believe in this teaching that Christ, you, that, that Christ taught, then you are a fraud. It's that simple. And some of the most popular names out there fit that category. For Christ is the end of the law of righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. There are Christian prince teachers out there today on television saying exactly to do that. The church has to clean up the world so Jesus can return. He can't return until we clean up this word because he has to have a clean place to come back to. But what does that say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing the riches on all who call on him. 
The next point is following instruction. And this is a very broad subject here, matter of fact. Uh, you know, our, ins our instructions are essentially contained in the entirety of the Bible. I don't think I'll plan on going through that this afternoon. <clears throat> Beginning with the New Testament, you know, the words of Jesus, the gospel, the epistles, the examples of the New Testament church that the Apostle Paul established are all instructions. <clears throat> um, the instruction on prayer from Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, all are instructions. John 14, 15, and 16 gives us the expectation of what the Holy Spirit will do for us and how we can be empowered by the Holy Spirit, what, what we should look to the Holy Spirit to do for us. And, you know, I, I could spend the rest of the time here just talking about the instructions. Uh, I'm going to stop just at that point uh, and, because I want to go on to dedication. And dedication is the co consistent application of what we've learned day in and day out, day after day, practicing the Christian religion. There's an old joke about a man who wants to see a doctor. And seeing the doctor, he says, the sign out, out in front says you're a practicing physician. Is that true? And the doctor says, yes. The man replies, I don't want a practicing physician. I want an expert. So the question is, are you a practicing Christian or an expert? We read earlier about the one that needs milk and the one that needs strong meat. I'm going to, once again, read, I think I repeated this one. Hebrews 5.12, for when the time comes you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongs to them that are full of age, even those who by reason of their senses exercise to discern both good and evil. These are all good points. And we need to follow them as best as we're able. But as we travel down or take the journey down the road of life <clears throat> and we walk on faith and trust in love, we have many roads to travel. Some of the roads are paved and straight and smooth. Others are hilly and curved. Still others are dirty, rough, and bumpy. Some are covered with snow and ice. Some are washed out with broken bridges and trees blocking the passages. Some roads lead to valued destinations. Some go in circles. Others may be shortcuts, and still others may take the long way around. Others lead to tunnels with a light at the end. Still others lead to dead end. But whichever road we choose, there will be hopes and dreams, expectations of what's over the next hill, what's around the next curve, some disappointments, some triumphs, some tragedies. And sometimes it's not the destination that is an important part of the journey, but rather how we got there, the experiences along the way, how we learn, grow, change, who we are, what we are, 
how we look at things, how we relate to each other. Experiences that we reminisce about later, perhaps laughing at something that at the time that it happened seemed like a tragedy. And now looking back, it wasn't such a tragedy. But whatever road we take in life's journey, the events that happen along the way are opportunities. Opportunities to learn about him, learn how to handle life. Opportunities for applying faith. Opportunities to take action and demonstrate our faith by our works. To apply the instruction on what we have received so that we may become conformed to the image of his son. And through the application of spiritual conditioning, we grow spiritually. He is always there offering his hand. The Holy Spirit is always available to help us if we allow it. Often the roads we travel have detours and distractions. Detours that take us away from our goal, distractions that take us from our goal. Just as in the efforts of life to do a physical workout three times a week, there are events that intrude in our, our plan into what we had planned for the day. And all of a sudden, we miss our workout. We don't get our exercise in. And so we miss one day. And then the same thing happens the next time. So then we miss two days. And now all of a sudden, we want to go back on that third day. Oh, man, this weight is so hard. I don't think I'll do that. Let's go out with the guys. We can't allow this to happen to our spiritual conditioning program. All roads lead to, no, not Rome. They lead to the kingdom of God or the lake of fire. And as we go down the roads that we're going to travel in our lives, there are a number of scriptures back in the Psalms, and they're all about being led or leading me, moving my hand. Psalm 25, 5, lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. This is Old Testament, by the way. Psalms 25, 5. God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Psalm 31, 3. For you are my rock and my fortress. For you are my namesake. You lead me and guide me. Psalm 43, 3. Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Psalm 61, 2. From the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Psalm 119.35 Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Psalm 143.10 Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground, not a hilly, curvy, dirty road with treacherous 
ice and snow and washed out gullies, but level, smooth ground. Psalm 139.10, there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If there be any grievous way in me, lead me in the way everlasting. We need him to take our hand and lead us. And the key to that is our spiritual conditioning and humility. I want to do a music video that really just shows the words, the lyrics for the music up on the screen. The title of the music video is Many a Mile, and it's done by Colin Ray. The words can be, used, can be viewed as a prayer, or it can be viewed as a prayer with God answering that prayer. So if Brian can pull it up, we'll watch this music video here. It's about three minutes and eight seconds.
I look down the road that winds in the distance and wonder where it might lead. Makes no difference as long as you walk with me. Many a mile we will travel, many a dream we will share. Many a time we will gladly take the long way there, the long way to work out whatever it is that he needs to do to mold us into what he wants us to become. With every step, we will draw closer, draw closer to God. And in every turn, our love will grow, our spiritual love. True love is not a destination. It's a principle that they use in AA. I've never been to AA, never attended. The principle is, I, I don't say I... I was an alcoholic, but now I'm cured. The thing is, I am an alcoholic, and I'm an alcoholic the rest of my life. You see, there's a difference in thought. The minute you say, I, I'm no longer this, I have overcome it, I've achieved it, then you put it in a box, put tape on it, put a bow around it, put it up on the shelf. The first thing you know what happens, you're back doing what you used to do. True love's not a destination. It's an everyday application of a principle. It's the journey we'll be taking for the rest of our lives. There will be days forever missing in all the places our love has been. Sometimes we have tough, tough love that we have to exhibit. Perhaps we don't want to measure, remember those. But there will be joy in knowing the best is yet to come. It's still around the bend. It's still over the hill. And the kingdom of God, when it gets here, will be that best. <clears throat> there are times that are coming in the future that will be very rough roads to travel. The Republican Party is not the savior of the nation, and neither are the Democrats. We are citizens of the kingdom of God and ambassadors for Jesus Christ. And in the end, we will prove to be more important than all of them. It says in Revelation 13, 7, And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given over all kindreds and tongues and nations. In the performance of our daily activities, going down the roads of life that we travel, our works need to demonstrate our faith by the way of evaluation of who, what, where, when, why, and how. Who are we interfacing with? What did we do? Where did we do it? When would we do it? Why did we do it? How did we do it? And are these in compliance with the teachings of Jesus Christ? In Revelation 20, 11 through 15, it says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was no place found for them. And I saw the dead and the small and the great stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things that were written in the books, according to their works. And the sea gave up their dead, which were in it, and the death and hell delivered up the dead, which was in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. 
and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. In 2 Peter 3 and 10, it says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burnt up. Revelation 22, 12. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according to his works. Some of us have many miles to go. Others of us have considerably fewer left in this physical journey. The opportunities for the development of spiritual strength diminish accordingly. The great men and women of the Bible probably had no idea that their exploits were recorded and preserved for thousands of years, and thousands of people read about their triumphs and their tragedies. The events of their personal lives would be quite literally an open book. They probably never thought of themselves as being great men and women of faith or heroes. And certainly we don't think that way either but did you know, did you know there's no amen at the book of Acts? The book that talks about the acts of the early church leaders, and there's no amen at the end. Is that because the book is not finished being written? Is there more going to be added to it? About the modern day heroes of faith that walk on faith and trust in love, The five points are our calling, our faith, demonstrating our faith by our works, following instructions, and dedicating ourselves to the goal. Which one of these is the toughest one for you? Is, this, is it this difficult for you to stick with your calling or to believe? or to demonstrate your faith by your works, or to follow the instructions, or to be dedicated to the goal? Those are questions for you to answer personally in your own quiet times. And I'm sure you will come up with the right answers and be motivated to become a better servant for God the Father and Jesus Christ. And maybe one of these days, you'll find your name is written in the book of Acts.